Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you're a guest, I want to say welcome. I truly mean that. If you're watching, uh, welcome as well. And I, I want to keep saying something that I really believe is true. I know that the world has changed. There's a lot of cultural impact going on. And I also understand all the things that surround things like a pandemic and all of that. But I want to encourage you, if you can, move through your fear. Move through it. It's rooms like this that we need each other more than ever. The army of God linking arms and we need that touch. I know that we we fear it. But I just want to encourage you, don't let fear keep you away from what God has called the church to be. Amen to that? Young people, come on, let's give it up for the young people. This is so cool. It's so cool. I love love it. You guys are awesome. I, uh, I, I tell you, it's a little, it gets a little emotional for me because I really thought all my life I was going to be working with youth. I had no idea that God was going to have me lead a church. And after doing it 21 years, I want you to know if I knew what I knew now, I'd still be working with youth. <laughs> no, no. Take it any way you want. All right. You take it any way you want. But uh, I, uh, I love what God's doing. You know, I'm reading, uh, doing a lot of reading of Leonard Sweet, Dr. Leonard Sweet. And I would encourage you. There's a book out called Rings of Fire. If you don't know who Dr. Leonard Sweet is, he's considered in the top 25 most influential evangelicals in the world. I'm excited. I don't say it's put any attention on me, but I'm really looking forward to, uh, uh, in August, spending some time with him. I reached out to him because there's things in the book that has really, truly transformed my life. In the top five books I've ever read, um, and understand I don't consider the Bible the word of, the word of God as a book. So, so I always, it's just out there and, uh, I could go on and on. It's kind of how I look at Michael Jordan. They always talk about who's the best of the best. And they say, who is number one? I said, well, you just got to put Michael out there by himself. He just his own guy. And then we'll come back and talk about the next few people. Okay. Some people don't like it. That's just because they've never seen Michael play and, and they obviously have no idea or any clue. But anyway, um, (laughs) see, I can say that I have the mic. Some of you go, well, that's unfair. Build your own church, okay? Um, and you can stand there and tell everybody it's, it's Michael. Uh, but but I, I'm really excited about sitting down with him because this book is in the top five I've ever read. It really speaks in what's happening in our culture today, specifically in America. And he literally directly, with the word of God in an amazing way, confronts everything that's going on. And then also gives us steps of understanding. And one of the things he said was this, we're not losing our kids when they go off to college, of which we are. 85% of the kids that were were raised in church go off to college and completely walk away from the faith. But he says, we're not losing them when they go off to college. We lost them when they were kids. We taught them what mattered when they were children. We let them know what's most important. And, and we can justify it because we're really good at that. We can get mad, pick up, go to a different church. We're really good at that. 
it doesn't change anything. It doesn't fix the problem. To, as far as I'm concerned, it only perpetuates it. And so it's really, really, I, I would encourage you more than ever, get that book, Rings of Fire by Dr. Leonard Sweet, because I'm really excited about spending time with him. I think he's just a brilliant mind that God has raised up. Some of you go, I've never heard of him. There's a reason for that. Because he's not about publicity. He's not about marketing himself. He's not trying to get you to like him. He spends all of his time in classrooms. He's one of those, if you will, uh, uh, emeritus professors and presidents of seminaries all around the world. He's just a brilliant mind, and I can't, I can't encourage enough to get that book, Rings of Fire. So a man goes to his pastor, and he says, Pastor, I've sinned. I've sinned greatly this week. I'm feeling absolutely horrible about it. Oh, what'd you do? Asked his pastor. Well, I used some really bad language, and, 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 and I, I just feel bad about it. Oh, when did you do this? Well, I was golfing. And I, what is it? Why, why do we laugh about that? Obviously, people have seen your game, all right? Well, I was golfing, and I hit the most incredible drive I've ever hit. I knew this ball was going to go at least 300 yards. But then it struck a phone line that was hanging over the fairway, and it fell straight to the ground and only went about 100 yards. Is that when you swore? No, 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 no. After it hit the ground, a squirrel ran out of the bushes and grabbed my ball and began to run away with it. It was right in the middle of the fairway. Is that when you swore? No, no, no. When the squirrel started running, an eagle came down out of the sky, grabbed the squirrel in its talons and began to fly away with it. Is that when you swore? No, no. As the eagle carried the squirrel away into the blue, it flew toward the green. And as it passed near the green, the squirrel dropped the ball. Did you swear then? No, 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 no. As the ball fell, it struck a tree, then off a big rock, it rolled through the sand trap next to the green and stopped six inches from the hole. At that, the pastor sighed and smiled and said, you missed the putt, didn't you? <laughs> Now listen, I love laughter. Who likes laughter? I love laughter. I love a good joke. By the way, it's one of the great reasons why we hired Pastor Reed, all right? Because that man, come on, that man's funny. I love Pastor Reed. I love being around him. I tell you all the time, if you want to have a great vacation, you just take him with you, all right? By the way, you ever heard that joke about where if you, if you want to find out why man, dog is man's best friend, you put your dog in the trunk, put your wife in the trunk, and then when you, when you open the trunk, who's happy to see you? Okay. <laughs> see, well, I, I just want to say, you put Reed in the trunk, he's like the dog, man. You open up, he's just happy to see you, and he'll go, have you heard about? I mean, it's just... He, he is just a joy to travel with. I love it when Reed's in the car with me. We just, we just have such a great time. But we love to laugh, don't we? We love to laugh. We laugh at funniest home videos. I loved AFV. We laugh at a t-ball game when the little kids get up there and, 
and this is the outfielder. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, don't you love it? I mean, you just love those kids. Ball rolls by, you know? I, I love it. You know, he's looking at the fence, and the coach says, turn around, and he goes. <laughs> it's just a joy. I love it. Uh, how about memes? Y'all know what that is? Younger people love the memes, you know what I mean? Things they throw out there. <laughs> Some of the older people are like, I don't get it. <laughs> my, my daughter, my daughter sent me one I thought was just great. And, and it's really true to our date. I don't think we even really stopped to think about it. It says this, nobody talks about Jesus' miracle of having 12 close friends in his 30s. <laughs> How many of you have 12 friends and you're in your 30s? I love that stuff. Uh, how about people dancing when they think no one else sees them? You know? <laughs> Nobody's watching. Oh, come on. I'm just telling you, this is what your mom and dad do, okay, in their bedroom. You know? <laughs> They're trying to figure out <laughs> how do they do that? I thought this was great. How about children? This is our own Oliver Shields mutton busting at the Irene Rodeo. Come on. Come on, Oliver. I, I had a blast last night at the storm game watching Pastor Brent right before the fourth quarter, you know, going out with a golf club and getting to hit a football through the goalpost, you know, and he makes it. <laughs> I loved it. We like to laugh at two grown men going over Niagara Falls in a barrel, you know. <laughs> and we lived. Yeah, now you're not laughing, now you're disappointed, okay? But I say this to get to this. What breaks my heart is in the midst of laughter, how many of God's people like to laugh at sin? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Things that should actually be painful, we find them as pleasure. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of us in the name of Jesus found it comical to laugh at someone because of their weight. How many of us even though the person, of course, wasn't present in the room, but we sure enjoyed talking about him and found it to be funny. Kids, you know. You ever felt like you were the butt of the joke? Bet you weren't laughing. It's fun, isn't it? I remember my sister Tammy, her senior year. Back then they would have that service prior to graduation where it was more of a religious emphasis. You remember those? My sister was born crippled. Walking is a very difficult thing for her. I remember sitting there and they had guys at the stairs of the stage helping 
each one of the ladies up. They thought it'd be funny if they didn't help my sister and she tripped. She did. They laughed. It's funny, isn't it? I wonder how many of us in the name of Jesus. Of course, we justify, don't we? Well, none of us are perfect. Of course, we're not, but we're supposed to be like the one who is. I'm willing to bet he's never laughed at you. See, you need to understand something if you need to write this down. Whatever you want to call it, however you want to excuse it, however you want to justify it when it comes to sin, God's not laughing. And he never will. Because every time we think sin is funny or we play it off, we cheapen what he did on the cross. In fact, I think if you read the word correctly, how about this? I think God would say, how about quit laughing at what I created and why don't you just look at my cross and find that to be funny? And then you and I can talk about it later. Because whatever you do for the least of these, you're doing it to me. That's what my Bible says. What is it about sin that we find funny? It's probably because we don't know what sin is. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Romans 5. Because I contend right now we're a little bit more like Doris Day. You know what I'm talking about? Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Hate to break the news to you. You will die and die. There's no whatever it will be, will be. The future is secure, you see. <laughs> see, sin is a big deal. And it's time we better rethink it, because if we really understood it, we'd probably try to stop doing it. It's a big deal. That's why we need to rethink it. So Romans 5, I'm going to begin in the 12th verse. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Romans 5, beginning in verse 12. Let's pray. Father, my heart is pounding. Its pace is pretty high right now. Because I'm not capable to even capture what truly you really only understand. And so God, I pray that your spirit would move for without it, we're nothing. It's just a bunch of meaningless words. But the Bible says that your truth actually can transform us. It can transfigure us. And so we beg for your spirit to fall. We beg that your spirit would move in such a way that there's no way that we could ever leave the same. And I'm going to trust that in advance. And if you'll confirm with me, all God's people would say, 
Amen. Romans 5, beginning in the 12th verse. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death so that death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John that if you say you have no sin, you are a liar. That's what the Bible says and goes on to say, and you do not know the truth. Therefore, the truth has not set you free and the Son of God doesn't even know you. Sin is a big deal. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. Say it with me. We've all sinned. In fact, look at someone right now and say, you a sinner. You've always wanted to say it that way. <laughs> say it again. Sinner, 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 sinner. You know, because while you're saying it to someone else, someone's saying it to you. We're all sinners. Verse 13, yes, people sinned even before the law was given, pre-Moses. But watch this, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. But this is crazy because the Bible says, verse 14, still everyone died. We're going to talk about that in a moment. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God, which by the way, there were no commands of God. Adam is now a symbol. A representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man. How many men? One. I know some people, I've said it before, say this is just not fair. How come, how come we have to suffer because of Adam? And I always say, you don't. They go, what do you mean? I said, stop sinning. Well, I can't. Welcome to the club. <laughs> You'd have done the same thing. We're not suffering because of Adam. In a sense, we're all Adam. The Bible says we all fall short of God's glory. So look at someone right now and say, you fell, you fell, you fell. Just, just tell them they fell. You just need to know it. Look what it says. Again, 15, there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. amen. Someone say thank you, Jesus. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of this one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Come on. It's a good word. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph, will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because a one person 
disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because of one other person who obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. That's why we read the Bible. We learn real quickly who we're not. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they are. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us a right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Someone say amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want to give you four things that you need to know about sin. And I'm going to be very graphic about them because I, I, I'm saddened how numb we've grown to sin. I'm saddened that we've made such little about it. And I'm saddened that in the church we spend more time comparing ourselves with all the wrong because we don't understand sin and how little we talk about Jesus and the only one who overcame our sin. We need to rethink what sin is and understanding it. For we all have sinned and fallen short. And the wages of that sin is what? Death. Every time. So I want to give you four things we need to know about sin. I'm going to tell you what happens when we sin, and then I'm going to tell you about the solution. Does that sound good? If you got your notes, take them out. Let me give you the first thing. Sin is the opposite of God. Say it with me. Sin is the opposite of God. We may want to call it an accident, but God calls it an abomination. We may think it is a human defect, but God says it is a human disease. We may want to simplify it as an error, but God calls it enmity with himself. We may actually think it is a human liberty, but God calls it a spiritual lawlessness. We may excuse it as trifle, but God deems it a tragedy. We may push it off as a mistake, but God says it's madness. We may want to justify it as a weakness, but God calls it and says it's willfulness. See, whatever you want to call it, however you want to justify it, once again, and ever how you think you can excuse it, God hates sin. Boy, I, I could go off this. I mean, I, I know that old adage, you know, God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. That's making you the focus. But if that be true, then explain to me why he wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah. God hates sin. Well, but he loves the sinner. Well, there's a big difference is you need to understand I'm a sinner saved by grace that wants to follow Jesus, not a sinner who justifies grace so I can go back and be a loser and a sinner and continue to think I can do what I want to do. There's a big difference in that, folks. There's a big difference in that. There's a big difference in that. The Bible says in Psalm 111, everything God does is what? Good. Everything God does is what? Good. Everything God does is what? Good. It's not wicked. 
Everything God does is good. Job even says it is impossible for God to do anything evil. He cannot sin or do wrong. Sin is the opposite of God. It's always the opposite of God. And it's always moving in the opposite direction of God. Which brings me to number two. Sin is the opposite of love. Say that with me. Sin is the opposite of love. See, you cannot sin and still love God. That just doesn't make any sense. It's like telling your wife, guys, I love you, but when I travel, there's this girl. We just like to be, listen, I don't really like her. We just hang out. We just do some things, but I really love you. She'd be like, that's okay. You've got to be kidding me. Unfortunately, there's a lot of guys who think that they just never tell her. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But Matthew 24, Jesus speaking says, as sin and evil increase in the world, people's love will grow cold. It'll grow cold. You might want to write this down. When sin increases, love decreases. That's why I simply tell you, I have people come to me and we talk about sex before marriage. I know this is like total countercultural today because we have gone so far from the word of God. We've learned to justify and make it whatever we want, but we love each other. Well, let me just help you. That may be true, but all you're telling me is that you don't love God. You love each other more, which means you think you can make it work. And no wonder why divorce is in our world today. Because getting a piece of paper that says you're married doesn't fix the sin you've committed before God. Sin isn't love. You can justify it, play it, excuse it all you want. It's not love. It's the opposite of it. And do you know why? Here's number three. Because sin is always selfish. It's always selfish. James 3 says this, wherever there is selfishness, you will find disorder and every kind of evil sin. At the root of every sin is self-centeredness, people. Every sin is selfish. Folks, the middle letter of sin is what? I. Anybody know what the middle letter of pride is? I. Anybody know what the middle letter of crime is? I. I did a little research. I discovered a few others. Racist. Sexist. Chauvinist. How about these ones? Wine. Criticize. Lying. Thief. Envious, deceitful, defiant, merciless, devious, hastiness, suspicion, negligence. And when you make I the center of your life, you get anxiety, guilt, fatigue, pessimism, phoniness, hostility, emptiness. You find those interesting as if somehow in the English language, God didn't somehow have a finger in play in that. Every time you make it about you, sin. 
Because Philippians 2 says, you and I are to take on the nature of Jesus who did not think of himself but thought of others more important and laid down his life. Jesus says, you want to be first, become last. You want to be a leader, be a servant. It's always about other-minded. For it was God so loved the world, he put his own son in the cross and the son said, what? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He willfully, lovingly laid down his life. And the Bible says, no greater love than this, that you would do the same. But every time it's about you, selfish, sin, it's not about you. It's not about you. Second Timothy three says in the last days, it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian for people will love only themselves. See, every time you sin, do you know what you're saying? I don't care about anybody else. That's what sin is. Every time we sin, I don't care about anybody else. But you find the irony in it. But the moment you do sin, you get the privilege to blame everybody else. Is that just weird? Once you get caught, it was all about you. Keep it behind closed doors. Once the doors are open or the window is, now it's somebody else's fault. Well, if they wouldn't have done this, if they'd only done that, sin is always selfish. Here's number four. But this is the most tragic. And you need to understand what sin is. Sin is unbelief. At the root of every sin is, I don't trust God. See, I want to take you back to Adam and Eve. God created. Let's just hypothetically assume that when God does something, it's good. Okay? Let's just assume. It's probably pretty good. He puts them in the garden. And he simply says, you get all of this. Remember when I shared this? But I put this tree in northern Alaska. Just one. Just a tree. And you know what Adam and Eve said? All of this isn't enough. We want that too. It's never good enough. It wasn't enough. <laughs> they literally said to God, everything you created for us isn't enough. And that's exactly what Jesus wrote in John 16. The Holy Spirit will show that the world's sin is unbelief in me. And America's made it very clear, we don't need God. And the church has silently set aside and said, we're okay with that. Because over half the evangelical Christians didn't even show up and vote, but they all think now they have an opinion. There's something wrong, people. There's something wrong. We've got to fix it. Unbelief is the world's biggest problem because everything in life comes out of our belief. That's why I began last week our need to rethink God and understand who God is. For our belief here, whether it's God or not, our belief here, we will achieve here. You'll know who my followers are 
by how they love one another. Explain to me how someone can say I follow Jesus and some of the crap they post on here. Someone explain this to me. How can you love Jesus and say anything negative about another human being? Whether he's the president or not. See, I, I'm just going to say it. You didn't run. You'll know my followers. You'll know who my followers are, Jesus said. Jesus, not Keith Loy. You'll know who my followers are. Watch how they love one another. How can you say you love me and you've not seen me and yet hate your brother or your sister? I love President Obama. I love President Trump. I love President Biden. I gave my life for him. Are you telling me that I need to die for you, but I don't get to die for them? I want to be a church that's known for its love. In the deepest of hate, in the darkest of times, in the most deceitful of days, I want to be known for love. I love you. I love you. I know some of you are uncomfortable right now. By the way, you can find a church where it'll be nice and comfortable for you. But we're going to preach the word of God because when we're all said and done, that's what my Bible says. We love. And love covers a multitude of sins. And love covers a multitude of sins. It covered mine. It covered mine. It covered mine. Sin is unbelief. Do you know why we talk bad about others? For two reasons. One, we don't believe that God can redeem them or we don't want him to. Let me say it again. Do you know why we talk bad behind people's backs about others? Because we don't believe that God can redeem them or we don't want him to. And Jesus says, but I'm going to treat you the way you treat others. That's what my Bible says. See, we better get this sin thing. We better rethink it. Sin's a big deal. Sin is a big deal. And God hates sin. And he never will laugh at it or laugh with you in it. Never. See, here's what happens every time I sin. I can't do this for you, but I'm going to tell you what the Bible says to me. Because it's not just sin. It's not just, well, we all make mistakes. And God's like, yep, that's the deal. Yep, y'all do. Don't worry about it. Here's what happens every time I sin. Every time I sin, something dies inside me. Sin and death always go together. They're brothers, they're sisters, they're twins that can never be separated. James 1 says, our evil desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. The wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is what? Death. And we've got to quit comparing it 
Yeah, but my sin isn't as big as their sin. It was on the cross. Because Jesus turned to a murderer and says, today you'll be with me in heaven. That's what my Jesus said. That's what my Jesus said. You know, in 2020, there were estimated 1.8 million new cancer cases diagnosed. 606,520 cancer deaths in the United States alone, 2020. Liver and pancreatic cancer are called the silent killers because by the time they're identified, it's too late. The fact is only one in five survive. Now, why do I say that? Because sin, not cancer, is more lethal. Sin, not cancer, is the greater silent killer that's ever been known to man. We just said it, the wages of sin is death, and the moment sin entered the planet, death reigned on earth. And anybody know what their survival rate is? Zero out of everyone. It's zero out of everyone. Proverbs 14 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is always the way of death. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just saying, if you don't like the direction that our country is going or the world is heading, it's only because we're not as smart as we think we are. But yet it's our press that we keep reading rather than the truth that he wrote and revealed. The answer is not found in you and I. The answer is found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus and the incredible gift that God gave us on that cross. Sin, sin. Every time I do it, something dies inside. Here's number two. Sin may be done in secret, but it's never private. Sin may be done in secret, but it's never private. The Bible tells us in Numbers 32, you can be sure that our sin will find us out. You just understand something. You can hide it from everybody else and then you stand before God. What is it about us that we actually live more towards man than we do in God? We care more about what you do or don't know than what God already knows. What is it about us that we've been wearing masks well before COVID even existed? Playing a game. See, it's the other reason why we talk about other people. Because then we don't have to look at ourselves. And yet you will look at yourself. The Bible says every knee will bow. Do you understand that? Do you understand that everyone will bow? Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and they will know that he was God. Everyone will bow before their creator, whether they accept it or not. And their judgment, their fate, will be delivered.
Sin may be done in secret. It's never in private. But more importantly, everything we do, good or bad, affects others. Because we were created in Christ. And the key to being in Christ means we need others. Our lives actually impact other people. The Bible tells us in Romans 14, we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. You may think that your sin's not causing any harm, but it most certainly is. You might want to write this down. Sin has a price. Sin has a price. Make no mistake about it. The porn industry has caused millions of divorce, heartaches, and broken homes. Even if your spouse never knew you were looking at. Satan doesn't need to go public with your sin. You ready for this? Because he knows there's more destruction in the privacy of it. You ready for that? I'm going to say it again. Satan doesn't need to tell everybody about your sin. So everybody go, oh, thank God. Because he knows what you conceal will destroy you and destroy others and they'll never even know it. In fact, Satan would rather you keep it private. That's why the Bible says, confess your sins one another that you may be healed. See, there's power. The moment I tell you, man, I struggle with this. The moment I do that, you ready for this? Satan's like, ah, crap. Now he's got warriors around him. Now he's got all the angels flying down. Ah. See, the power of testimony is not about where you've been. The power of the testimony is who you found and what God's doing with your life now. Because now your sin becomes a purpose. That's why Reed stands up here and says, listen, man, I dealt with pornography for 13 years. Do you know why he tells you that? One, he's freed. But if you're a guy in this room struggling, now you have a friend. He knows how to walk with you. And Satan's like, I liked it better when he was in the quiet. Of course you did. But when it comes to the light, it becomes power. It becomes power. Unbelievable power. Power. Wonder working power. It may be done in secret. How about lying or anger? You know, loose lips sink ships. It's true. Sin in our world today is completely redefined marriage. No one is ever just hurting themselves. The Bible says we were made by God to be connected to people and thus what we do with ourselves always impacts another. Whether you're a part of Christ or not, it always impacts another. Here's number three. Sin has long-term damage. Sin has long-term damage. Long-term damage. I don't know if you know, I'm sure you've heard this, some may not, but in the northern parts of Alaska, there's people up there that we know, we call them Eskimos. I'm so grateful God didn't ask me to pastor there. <laughs> not that if you're watching, God don't love you. I'm just glad he didn't call me. <laughs> but I'm more than happy to pastor as long as we stay on a screen. Got it? Um, but what they do when they go out to catch a wolf is they take a really sharp knife and they dip it in blood and they freeze it 
and they dip it in more blood and they freeze it and they dip it in more blood and they freeze it. Finally, they dip it in just a thin coat of water to seal it, sort of. Not totally. What they do is they go out after supper and they put the knife in the ice. And when the sun goes down, the wolves come out and the wolves can smell the blood. And they go over and they begin to lick the knife. But because it's frozen, their tongue begins to go numb. But they keep on licking because they can smell the blood. They don't even realize that now they get to the blade and the blade begins to lacerate their tongue. And they start drinking their own blood and don't even know it. And the taste is so amazing, they continue to lick until they fully bleed out. And the next morning they go out and they gather the wolf's corpse. Just like Satan does with sin. That's why I told you, sin is fun. If it wasn't, we wouldn't do it. It's fun to fit in for a moment with your friends. It's just one beer, right? It's just a night of sex, because girls, if I give him what he wants, then he'll stay with me as if you'd even want him. Because if that's what it took for him to stay, he ain't staying. But you lick the knife, and the blood tastes so good. And I know some of you are going, boy, tell those kids that. And yet I will tell you, sex outside of marriage is more rampant among adults than it is young people. Who are we kidding? Let me tell you how we've masked it. Wait till you're 21, son. Then you can go to the bar and get drunk and be an idiot. And that what we call it? Adult drinking age? Adult movies? When you get my age children, now you can watch the nude flicks. Because you're an adult now. You're mature. We lick the blade. Shouldn't it be the other way? Shouldn't it be our young people completely out of control and when they turn 21, they finally zip it all up, button it all up and start living like maturity? But Satan's good at what he does. And those blades are in the ice all around our lives because we like the smell of blood. And Jesus wants us to have the smell of blood. He just wants us to smell his blood. See, Deuteronomy 29 says, those who hear the warnings of this curse should not congratulate themselves thinking, I am safe, even though I'm following the desires of my own stubborn heart. Look what the Bible says. The Lord will never pardon such a person. Instead, his anger and jealousy will burn against them. All the curses written in this book will come down on them and the Lord will erase their names from under the heaven. And Paul says it this way, don't deceive yourself. Whatever you plant is what you will harvest. So what's the solution? Jesus! He who knew no sin became our sin so we could be the righteousness of him. That we could be called his children. 
But we're never going to come to Jesus until we understand our sinful problem. That's why I tell you, good people don't go to heaven. Bad people who do, who understand how bad they are. And they understand the only hope I have is Jesus. And God's like, yep, that's me. Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the solution. But here's the key, folks. He did not only pay for the penalty of our sin, don't miss this. He broke its power as well. This is what so much of the church misses and why we're going to preach on the, on the rethink of the Holy Spirit. And I told you, one of the things that we got to quit talking about in the church is, is not, listen, I, don't run to the door and freak out because I'm, I'm quoting Jesus. It's best that I go away that the Holy Spirit would come. And yet the church spends so much time talking about Jesus, they fail to understand the power and the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. We need to walk in the Holy Spirit. Not with arrogance, but with spiritual swagger. Come on. We got the Holy Spirit in us, people. Jesus and God in flesh inside of us. And that's why Jesus says, greater things you will do than I. It's best to go away. So the Father will give you the Holy Spirit who will be with you always, who will convict you, who will teach you all things. And that's why we're going to talk about the power and the incredible presence of the Holy Spirit. First Peter 2 says, Jesus personally carried away our sin in his own body on the cross. Watch this. So that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. I want you to write the word evil on your notes somewhere. Everybody write the word evil. Just write the word evil on your notes. Just write the word evil. Folks, that's who we are. I don't know how you define evil. Well, I'm not that bad. I'm here to tell you, if you don't know Jesus, you're not going to be with him forever. There is a heaven, there is a hell. I don't know about you, whether it's 4,000 steps short or one step short, short is short. And there's only one step that you can't take and he already took. And Jesus flipped the script. So look at that word evil. Flip it. What's it say backward? Live. Jesus just flipped the script. How about you live? I come that you might have life. Have it to the full. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Running over. Folks, that's the power. Dude, I remember years ago, we prayed for someone in our church. And uh, it wasn't this church, but years ago. And so this is, this is down the road, but I think it fits, the, fits the, the, the verse I just wrote, is that he was having bladder issues. And so we began to pray. And God healed him. You talking about overflowing. I'm telling you, man, he's running around shouting the miracle and the bladder was working just fine. It was awesome. God wants you to live. He flipped the script. And he gave us the power to live rightly in the spirit. This is why we tell you, you have to die to self. I mean, let me ask you a question. You know why we need to die? Has anybody ever seen a corpse sin? Has anybody ever seen a dead person be tempted? You see how it works? When you die to self, that's when Satan comes along. You can say, listen, I'm a dead man. Talk to the living God about it. Keith no longer resides here. The Holy Spirit does. You ask him if it's okay. If he thinks it's okay, I'm okay. Because I'm going to do what he tells me to do. 
The power of Jesus, the power. Romans 6 says our sinful selves were crucified with Christ on the cross. So that sin lost its power, lost its power. I don't have the ability to do right, but in the Holy Spirit, now I have the power to do what's right. My conscience wants to always take me in the wrong direction, but I have a new nature, a new spirit, the power of the word that takes me in a different direction. That's why I pick up that cross daily. The power of Jesus, but you're never going to pick that up until you understand the power of that cross and how sinful you really are. Till you realize what sin is, how ugly it is. I want to invite the team out and I want to share a story with you. I love Pastor Charles Stanley. I think some of you watch power, you know, some of you have already turned me off because you're watching Stanley, okay? All right. But Pastor Charles Stanley tells a story when he was in seminary. Here's what he says. One of my more memorable seminary professors had a practical way of illustrating to us the concepts of the word, specifically this time of grace. At the end of his evangelistic course, he distributed the final exam with the caution to read it all the way through before you begin. In fact, the caution was written on the front page of the exam. As we read the test, it became clear that none of us had studied enough. And the further we read, the more apparent it became. There's no way we can pass this test. About halfway through, many of my classmates began to groan. You could hear it around the room. But on the last page, however, there was a note. You have a choice. You can go back and complete the exam as given. Or just sign your name at the bottom, turn it in, and by doing so, I will give you an A. Wow, are you kidding me? I was stunned. I don't have to take the test of which I knew I could not pass. Just sign it, turn it in, and get an A. As we sat there, the point began to dawn on many of us. One by one, students began to turn in their test and file out silently out of the classroom. After a walk from the room for a while, I decided to go back to the class and just wait till it was only he and I. And I asked the professor about it. He shared with me some of the reactions he'd received over the years. And may I remind you, he is a seminary professor. All of his students have a call to ministry. He told me that some of the students began to take the exam without even reading it all the way through. They would sweat it out for the entire two hours before they ever reached the last page. Others read the first two pages, became angry, and many turned the test in blank, stormed out of the room in anger without ever signing it. They never realized what was available to them. And as a result, they lost out completely. In fact, one particular student, he told me, read the entire test, including the note at the end, but decided to take the exam anyway. When he was done, I asked him why. He told me he didn't want any gifts. He wanted to earn his grade himself. And he did. He got a C plus. 
but he could have had an A. But Stanley goes on to say, what an illustration of so many people's reaction to God's solution to sin. Some people look at God's standard and they throw up their hands and surrender and say, I can't do this. I can't do it. And they just sign and turn it in. Others are like the student who read the test, aware of the professor's offer, but they took the test anyway. Somehow thinking, I have to please God. And yet no one in this room will ever please him. All he asks is that we trust. It's crazy, isn't it? Unwilling to simply receive God's gift, they set about trying to store up or rack up points, thinking they can earn it. But God's grace is just like the professor's offer. It may seem unbelievable. It may seem unfair. But both are right. All we can do is accept it like a stunned student and discover what grace is all about. I've witnessed this over and over and over in all my years as a youth pastor. 22 years as a lead pastor. Seen it time and time and time again. I've watched division, I've watched anger, I've watched slander, all in the name of Jesus. Weekend warriors. And sinful messes all week long. And we love to justify it, don't we? But that's who we are. No, no, no. That's who we used to be. We've all sinned. We all deserve death. None of us deserve God's grace and to be with him. But because of God's amazing love, he did what you and I cannot do or ever do. And he built a bridge. And he put the Holy Spirit in us and gave us a new nature and a new voice. Does that mean we won't feel alone sometimes? We'll feel alone. Does that mean we won't fit in? I hope we never fit in. This isn't my home. Does that mean that we won't go through trials or tribulation? We will. But we will press on toward a greater prize that lies before us, that one day Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant, and the old is fully gone, and we are standing in the presence of the Almighty, and the garden has been restored, and everything he created will be good enough. But that will never happen until you start with self, not with somebody else. Sin is no laughing matter. It's why God so loved the world. He gave us Jesus on the cross. He's a God who hates sin. But his love is so great, he doesn't want us to have to ever live or be judged in it. That's why Paul said, so when you understand grace, do you want to keep sinning that grace would abound? He says, no, why would you want to keep sinning? Why would you want to keep putting Jesus on the cross? When you understand your sin and what Jesus did, it's a game changer of how you think. 
And that's when the fight, the good fight, is truly embraced and understood. Sin. It's our greatest problem. Jesus, our only solution. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him really? And is knowing him your greatest desire? Or are you just looking for another justification? I can't make that decision for you. But I will tell you, it's worth rethinking. Amen. Father, in this room are your creations. God, I believe they're here, not by accident, for whatever reason. I rejoice with our young people who came to a camp and, and had no idea, maybe, of why they would come or maybe what was most of their purpose has been changed. Praise God. You love every one of them so much. Every one of them. Every one of us in this room. God, we don't want to walk in sin. We don't want to justify our lives. You did that in Jesus. You want us to walk in the goodness and the grace and the newness. In the fullness. You're not mad at us. You're not down on us. You love us. And we understand this incredible God that you are. And Lord, when we're willing to admit how sinful and desperate we are, that's when the two come together and one of them is completely removed. And now in the goodness of God, we shall be. God, I pray right now that people in the quietness of their own soul before you are just confessing signing the blank test of which we could never ever complete or even answer correctly and turning it in and you writing well done well thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages and if you like what you're hearing consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.